Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Some good news out there. Uh, we talked about this all week long, but I do think it's worth reiterating because some of you probably have missed the news. The Joe Biden administration said that by May 31st, every individual out there, every adult who wants a COVID vaccine is going to have access to a COVID vaccine by May 31st. So that is not very long uh, between now and then. And one of the things we've been talking about associated with that announcement was when are we going to have 100% full stadiums? And if you listen to this show regularly, you would have heard me on Monday and Tuesday, or I guess I was out on Monday, I was still in Mexico, on Tuesday and Wednesday discussing, hey, what's the date going to be when we're going to have 100% full fan access again? It's a good question. Nobody really seems to know the answer for sure. But I said initially early this week, I think July 13th, when the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is taking place in Atlanta, Georgia, I believe that that game will have 100% fan attendance. And I said early in the week, that's where I would set the over-under for when we would have fans going forward. And some of you were like, oh, you're crazy, that's crazy. And then after I said that, I guess I said that on Tuesday, news comes out about everybody being vaccinated by May 31st, and so my argument is now, by June 1st, we're going to have that. Well, I don't know whether the Braves listen to this show. Wouldn't surprise me if some of the people who are Atlanta Braves employees do. But they came out on Thursday and said they were expecting to have 100% capacity for the Major League of Baseball All-Star Game on July 13th. Now, this joins the Alabama Crimson Tide, who said that about their football stadium, 
and the NFL Hall of Fame game who said that about the first NFL game of the year, which I believe is scheduled for August 3rd or August 4th or thereabouts. And I now am bumping up in a big way when I think we're going to have fans fully present in stadiums. I think there's a good chance it's going to happen in April or May. I really do. And I don't mean that there's going to be 100% crowds present because I think a lot of these April and May baseball games never have crowds present. We talked about this uh, several days ago, but I still have the note jotted down to myself because I thought it was pretty funny and pretty interesting. The Tampa Bay Rays only averaged 14,734 fans in 2019, and the Miami Marlins only averaged 10,016. Even if you presume there's a pent-up demand and there may be a lot of people that are actually interested in becoming uh, going to watch games more so than maybe they would have in the past because the pent-up demand, people not having been there for the past year, is going to increase the number of people who go to games. I think it's possible that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis can just tell the Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays, sell as many tickets as you want. You may even want to space them out, and I think that could potentially be intelligent and a way for teams to maybe adjust things a little bit because if you remember, a lot of times in the past – if you've ever been in a, in a crowded stadium, every seat is taken. But if you've ever been in an empty stadium, a lot of times they just don't even sell tickets in particular parts of the overall stadium. Like, hey, if there's nobody hardly at the game, we're not going to sell outfield tickets, for instance. Or we're not going to sell upper deck tickets at all. I would encourage teams to maybe spread out the seats that they are selling So if the Tampa Bay Rays want to sell 15,000 seats for a game and that's how many people are going to come to the game, instead of having everybody gathered right down close to the field, you could still separate them and spread them out a bit. I think that would be a reasonably intelligent move to make without restricting the overall number of people there because I think 15,000 people going to a Rays game is roughly normal. That seems to me to be a decent decision to make. But I applaud the Braves for coming out and saying they expect 100% capacity, just like I applauded the Alabama Crimson Tide and the NFL Hall of Fame game, because I believe setting the expectation is important that you're going to have normal seating and that if you have to dial it back, if you have to change things, it's not as big of an issue then going forward as it might have otherwise been. It's harder, in other words, to go from, hey, we're going to have 25% capacity to, oh, by the way, we're going to have 100% capacity. Then if you just start at 100, you can dial it back a little bit easier in that way. So it's a big announcement by the Braves. It didn't get as much attention as I thought it should have, but that's the earliest date of an event that I have heard so far. Now, I also think in the state of Texas, there may be some teams, college teams, with baseball that just say, screw it, we're going to sell as many tickets as we want. Or maybe in Mississippi, like Mississippi State baseball, Ole Miss baseball, college baseball in the SEC is a pretty big deal. There's a lot of really good teams. People enjoy going to watch those games. It wouldn't shock me now that Mississippi and Texas are both open if one of these universities just said, hey, we're going to go ahead and start selling full capacity for our games and see how many people want to come. Because that's going to be a big test. There's a difference between, hey, all the seats are available and all the seats are sold. And I don't know the answer as to how quickly fans are going to come back 
and want to spend their discretionary entertainment dollars on going to games. My expectation is they're going to come back pretty fast and there's going to be a lot of interest in it. I think there's a huge percentage of my audience right now that's out there listening to me. It's like, man, I would love to go to a baseball game right now. Weather's good. Kick your feet up. Have a beer. Grab a hot dog. I think there are a lot of people looking forward to that. But it remains to be seen how many other people might still be leery. But a big announcement by the Braves there. There's also another couple of interesting announcements that I thought were significant in nature. Uh, The Big Ten. This is crazy. The Big Ten has not had any fans present since they shut down a year ago. Now, they played, and we fought on this program really hard to get the Big Ten able to play football, but they have not actually had any fans present for any of their athletic events since March of last year. They announced that in the Lucas Oil Stadium, which is where the Big Ten tournament's going to be played, that's the Colts Stadium, they are going to sell 8,000 tickets. So for the first time in a year, the Big Ten now is going to have fans present for their games. That is a significant move. I think that is a monster move for the Big Ten to finally acknowledge, hey, we can have fans present in our venues. Of course, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, they've had fans present since, I think, September and August of last year. The Big Ten waited an entire year to allow fans to be present again, but that is a significant step in terms of allowing their stadiums to be full, potentially, by the time we get to the fall. So, big news out of the Big Ten there. Finally, this is also substantial news, I believe, and I'm surprised it's not receiving more attention. It's amazing how often, if the story doesn't fit the prevailing narrative, that nobody will talk about it. And you guys, one of the reasons why you follow OutKick is because I am out there actually sharing what I believe are news stories that matter and news stories that are significant. And, oh, by the way, this is why you should be reading OutKick every single day. Uh, But we are now in a situation where, do you remember myocarditis? Myocarditis is basically an inflammation of the heart lining, and it was a massive story this past summer. It's why the Big Ten said they couldn't play. It's why all the Corona bros in sports media said it was impossible Well, the Major League Baseball, MLS, NBA, NHL, NFL, and WNBA, all of them did a joint study, and it has just been published in the uh, Journal uh, of Cardiology, the American Medical Association Journal of Cardiology, and they tested 789 COVID-positive athletes from across all of those pro sports leagues and found evidence of an inflammatory heart disease in only 0.6% of those athletes. And that could have been caused by any number of other viral-related incidents, but basically there is no myocarditis threat from from COVID-19. So there were tons of people out there in the sports media, as I have been calling them for a long time, the Corona Bros, who were running around telling you, oh, there's no way we can play football this year. It's not safe. It's going to be too dangerous. There's too many risk factors out there. And I haven't seen any of those guys 
hardly at all sharing this story after they peddled that fear porn to such an extent that they shut down the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and only the steadfast backbone of the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 kept the entire college football season from being canceled. And now we know, having completed the college football season, that college football can be played safely. And we're about to complete the college basketball season. And we also know that the college basketball season can be played safely. Dub, I imagine that you're not surprised, but isn't it pretty dishonest for all of those people who spent so long talking about the danger of myocarditis, I'd never heard more about myocarditis in my entire life than I did for about two or three weeks there where they all shared the same fear porn studies that now have been almost completely debunked. There's no actual risk here. Yeah, and to think that this was something that people were trying to use to not play college athletics all fall and then this report comes out 0.6%, all of that basically drama that took place in the fall about, you mentioned, two- or three-week period, I mean, it's all for nothing, basically. I mean, 0.6%, and you just mentioned it could be from any number of different... Uh, Can't even be traced necessarily to the uh, to the situation with having COVID, right? I mean, there are many different things that can cause myocarditis, and so the idea that there would be, you know, some sort of major issue here, that, by the way, five athletes, I believe, is the number out of 797 of them. And some of those people, I mean, this is why they test hearts in general. As you know, some people have enlarged hearts. Sometimes people have unhealthy heart-related conditions that get caught by these sort of tests in college athletics. So there's a probably a substantial chance that this wasn't even connected to COVID-19 in the first place, even if it were, it means that 99.4% of the athletes that had COVID had no other issues at all associated with, uh, with their heart. And even the five that did, they healed and they were fine after a short period of time. So this is just, I mean, it should be a story that receives a massive amount of attention because to me, it should receive at least as much amount of attention as the initial stories did about how unsafe it was going to be to play sports. Instead, it will get a fraction, a scintilla of the overall fear porn, which is one of the failures that exists in sports media in general and media in large. A dangerous story, a fear porn laden story, receives a massive amount of headlines the subsequent story which says oh by the way you shouldn't have been afraid as much as you were of that issue will receive a fraction of the overall coverage of the initial one yeah i mean the percentage is if you did a ratio it'd be like a thousand to one yeah Literally. i mean that's not even an exaggeration i think that's probably a fair approximation of the way that this story was received which is why many of you out there hearing this story right now from me are going to say, oh, well, that's interesting. It seems like based on, and I'm, I'm trying to be honest with you here, I imagine a lot of you out there are like, oh, I heard about the myocarditis COVID uh, scare because it was so widely disseminated and so widely covered. You would think that the same people who tried to terrify you would follow up and say, oh, by the way, there's nothing to be afraid of here. 
but that's not what actually happens. They just pretend the story never existed in the first place, which is why the approval rate for the national media in general is so massively low. But all of those stories out there uh, are important. Dub, do you think that the Braves will end up being able to have 100% fan attendance for the All-Star game as they announced yesterday that they hope to do? I don't see why not. I mean, I think they're going to – I think it will be full. I mean, we've talked about this uh, recently through on the show about the Biden administration's prediction that by the end of May, so basically by June 1st, if you want a vaccine, you will That's have right. gotten your vaccine. So all the people that have been vaccinated and even some that maybe feel if they already had the coronavirus or whatever the case may be, if they want to go to the All-Star game, then they're going to be at the All-Star game, and I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think it's going to be absolutely outstanding. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, O-O-O-O-Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports see their kumo test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Lots of different news out there in the world of media uh, as it pertains to where the NFL games are going to air and also a new record potentially for sports media salaries set by Skip Bayless. We bring in OutKick's media writer, among many other things, Bobby Barak, who does uh, fantastic work for the site. Uh, And Bobby, I want to start with uh, the NFL television rights. And there are reports, it appears that basically everything is going to stay the same except that Amazon might buy Thursday night football and pay a substantial premium to do so, putting it in the Amazon Prime universe and putting that obviously as a streaming option for all the NFL fans out there. Anything surprising you so far about the reports of the NFL television rights? Yeah, so pretty straightforward so far. This is pretty much what people around the industry have been anticipating really since fall. This is the direction that everything has been heading in. Um, the biggest takeaway is, like you said, the Amazon getting a Thursday night football package because for the most part, the NFL is going like, to make a lot of money off this. You know, People are going to get some good stories out of it, but the average football fan probably doesn't really care because they're still going to be able to watch uh, the NFC and Fox, AFC and CBS, and Sunday Night Football on uh, NBC. And yeah, ABC is getting a Super Bowl, but the country's not going to have a hard time uh, turning the dial down one or two buttons. But Amazon, that's going to be different because people are used to watching, at least the past few years, watching these Thursday Night Football games on Fox. And the NFL has done a really good job of giving Fox really good games on Thursday nights. A lot of marquee games especially early on in the season, like around week four, week five. They're some of the best game matchups of the week. So now they're going to Amazon. Um, I think it's going to take a while for people to get adjusted to that. Now, I agree. The indication, the indication from like the Wall Street Journal is, is that a lot of these games are going to be exclusively on Amazon. And why I emphasize the word exclusively is because while the NFL Network was sharing with Fox, they're likely not going to do that for a lot of these Thursday games. It's not going to be simulcast on linear TV. Only the local markets will get it. I think a lot of people are going to miss out on these games because, one, they don't know how to do it. Yep. Two, they don't want to pay $100 for Amazon Prime. Or three, just a new habit. And habits take years to adjust from. I think the NFL is going to see a real downtick of interest in those Thursday night games. Um, I'm curious how they come out and they can do some cool features. You know, I heard potentially do some betting on there, like one click and you could bet on this game. But uh, I think for the NFL, they're going to be underwhelmed with the reaction early on. You know, it's interesting because – 
the NFL so far in all of their television rights package has said, we want as much money as possible, but we also want the largest possible audience. And some people I don't think necessarily contemplate that. But effectively, when you've got NBC, ABC, ESPN, uh, Fox, and CBS all putting your product on, it's basically an advertisement for the league. And that was a big part of the decision that the SEC made in college football years and years ago. They said, hey, we want our game of the week on CBS because we want it widely distributed to be an advertisement effectively for our overall brand. So the amount of money you make for it is significant, but also the brand value that you create by by sort of imprinting in people's mind that you are a premium product. And if the NFL is going to put their Thursday night football game onto Amazon, effectively they're taking money over distribution because I think you're right. There are a lot, I don't consider myself to be an old guy yet, but I definitely sit down sometimes to try to watch, uh, watch shows, and I get frustrated because I can't remember what our Disney Plus password is right. or what our Hulu password is or how to get into Netflix or Amazon or whatever it is or even which network has that. And for a long time, you know, I have the Comcast Xfinity remote at home. You know, I can just hit the voice thing and be like, hey, put on, you know, whatever game I want to watch, right? If I want to watch, let's say, the Houston Rockets the other night when uh, they're playing against Brooklyn and James Harden's jersey's getting retired, I want to watch two minutes of that. I don't have to worry about what station it's on. I just have to say it. And I think there are a lot of people out there that would struggle to be able to find Thursday night football on Amazon who would otherwise certainly watch it if it were on quote-unquote traditional television. Yeah, and, and, you know, even though things are progressing towards that model, it's almost bad timing because I was just uh, reading Experts Talking Day because uh, CBS just launched Paramount Plus today. Yeah. Um, People are cutting the cord, but now they're having to decide which OTTs to yeah, subscribe. That's right. Whether it be Disney, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Peacock, uh, Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, Apple TV Plus. There's so many. People are not going to subscribe to all of them, even if they do cut the cord. So I think it's going to be a lot of people that, you know, just be based on that, are not going to have Amazon Prime. They might be Netflix, HBO Max, Disney Plus. They might not have Amazon Prime. And I think the NFL is going to find out quickly that they're just not going to be able to reach as many homes as they hope to with this. Because what happens with bars and stuff? I mean, I, I presumably bars, when, when they reopen across the country, can show these games on Amazon Prime. But I don't know how that works. I mean, a lot of times you can't share account. Like, are they going to have to subscribe multiple times to fill out a Buffalo Wild Wings on Thursday night? football game. I mean, that's concerns that I had. And listen, they'll probably get all that figured out, but it might not come day one and year one. It's going to be a rocky start. Not only that, and I'm sure you have noticed this, and I bet a lot of our listeners have who have signed up for streaming services in some ways. Sports is often very delayed. Uh, By which I mean, you know, let's say I'm watching something on the ESPN app as opposed to the ESPN primary television network. I have put, you know, like a iPad side by side with my television and there's sometimes like a a minute delay, which, as you mentioned, if the goal is to live gamble, you can't live gamble a minute behind. Heck, you can't even use social media or even be texting with your buddies because there's often a touchdown that happens and one of your friends might say, wow, what a play, and you're still a minute behind and you haven't even been able to see it yet. 
I mean, I experienced that talking to him. Um, not this past Super Bowl, the one before the Chiefs versus 49ers. I was watching the game on linear TV, and he was watching it. I don't know, on some strike. He was using someone's password for uh, like streaming on whatever it was Fox or CBS. And I remember that big play they called the Wasp play, where Mahomes threw that big pass to Tyree Kill. And yep. I texted him and said, "Okay, wow." Now the game shift. He's like, what are you talking about? He was, I believe, a minute and 20 seconds behind. And that yeah. play blew up everywhere. If he was following on Twitter, that would have been the biggest spoiler ever. Yeah, and again, you can't bet live bet, which is, I think, going to become more and more of a component of the sports uh, landscape as more and more states allow you to live bet. You have to be watching at least close to live action. And a lot of people don't realize this, but you're about 30 seconds behind in general already with a game uh, taking place on the field versus when it's actually being shown to you in your house. Uh, And so that 30 seconds is often not as massive of a deal there, but you add another 30 seconds or another minute, and you're talking about just a seismic difference. And so that those latency issues, I think, are something that needs to be resolved in a big way in order for people to, uh, to be able to get back to some form of normalcy. Speaking of normalcy, The Atlanta Braves, and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, we had already talked about it this week, have said that they expect to play a 100% capacity all-star game on July 13th in Atlanta. When do you think we will have the first sporting event with 100% capacity in this country? If you had to pick a date over and under, where do you think that day should be? What month should it be? Um, so I, I think it's going to go state by state. Yeah, right. Somebody's going to do it first, obviously. Right. I mean, I'm going to go baseball early on. I mean, I'll say, I'll, I'll say sometime in April. I'm going to be optimistic that some state's going to have full capacity. Uh, I'll go May just to be conservative there. I'll say May there's going to be a game with full capacity in baseball yeah. because. But as far as the whole league, I I don't know that's going to happen this season. I'm hopeful, but I, I don't know. It's interesting. We talked a couple of days ago, and I still have my notes here. The Tampa Bay Rays last year averaged 14,700 or 2019, averaged 14,734. The Miami Marlins averaged 10,016. I feel like the state of Florida may well say you can sell as many tickets as you want for a Rays or a Marlins game knowing that they're not going to get that massive of an audience, but then being able to sell the idea of, hey, we gave people the option if they want to be able to come to a game. I think it'll be something like the All-Star game, which early this week, listeners will know, I said I thought the over-under would be July 13th at the All-Star game. I do think that they will want in Major League Baseball to send the message basically halfway through the season, we're back And that will be a major litmus test going forward because I think there's a good chance second half of the season, Major League Baseball, many of these stadiums are close to full capacity. We're talking to Bobby Barak. You can read his work uh, on OutKick uh, every single day pretty much. He does fantastic work there. Another big story that's out there in the world of sports media, how about Skip Bayless getting uh, $8 million a year, a $32 million deal over the next four years? Did it surprise you? 
Um, not really. The number's a little higher than what I expected, but not a lot. You know, I, I heard, um, I covered that story. There was a lot of talk about it last year about this time, really before the pandemic hit. And ESPN was all in. They were going to make an aggressive pitch. I heard that, you know, it could get above seven million. So eight's a little surprising, but it makes sense. You know how those bidding wars get. ESPN and Fox both want him. And, you know, I wrote about this story, not this particular story, but about um, his salary a couple days ago, referring to his last deal, which is about $6.5 million a year with signing bonuses, and the feedback I got is like, why pay somebody that much money for TV? It's not like he's drawing millions of viewers. But I don't think people totally understand why he got that. These bidding wars is why he did, because in 2016, right after Colin Coward left um, ESPN for Fox, they were building FS1 up as a network, and Jamie Holston and President, he saw skip the you know the difference maker bring him over it builds that batting order and ESPN was making so many offers getting him higher and higher that Fox said said okay you know, we'll go up to six and a half million to get him and that was not them sitting back saying we want to pay him that that's what the market demanded for him and this time around building off that he got up to eight and you know like Skip don't like him you know whatever your co- you know preference is on his content he he moves in New York quite as much anybody on sports TV. I've said for years now, I don't think there's anybody else that FS1 could put in that spot that would draw those numbers outside of maybe maybe Stephen A. I mean, Stip is one of the few needle movers in sports media on linear TV. There's a lot of people that do it online, but linear TV, he's one of the few. And other thing is, he's done so much for FS1, Fox Sports Digital Brand. His YouTube clips often eclipse you know, really high numbers, 300, 400,000. So, in their mind, and, and they have the data to back it up. He's worth that amount. A lot of people don't agree with it, but the bosses and the and rival bosses, they believe that is his market value. What do you think? Um, we were talking about market value and everything else, and I, I don't – congratulations, Skip Bayless, anybody else who is willing and able to get that money. It's not like a corporation gives you that money intending to lose money, right? And I think a lot of times this kind of goes down to – People tend to root for business over individual, and that happens for player contracts too. The money is there if the business is profitable. The question is whether or not uh, the uh, the business believes that the guy is worth it or the girl, whoever it is. And clearly Fox is giving Skip Bayless that money because they believe that they are going to get a return on that investment in some way. Right. Uh, and, and that's why he's getting paid. It's not like it's just uh, these are you know nonprofit businesses that are throwing <laughs> money away. It is kind of crazy to see Skip Bayless and recognize that he would be like the fifth or sixth highest paid college coach in America. Right, I mean that's where the context really kind of gets fascinating, uh, or the fifth highest paid running back in the NFL. Um, that I think is interesting when you put it in the context of larger scale sports salaries, um, where you start to get a sense for what sports media are worth. But I always say, look, if it's Stephen A., if it's Colin Cowherd, if it's Skip Bayless, whoever it is, I root for those guys to get paid. Just like an NFL player would be rooting for everybody else at his position to get paid. Because a rising tide really does lift all boats. If you are Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes goes out and gets $40 million plus a year, you may not get that number, but you might get closer to it than you would have if Patrick Mahomes hadn't gone out and maximized his overall value. Yeah, and, and the industry really, as far as top-level salary, shifted in 2015 when ESPN got that rival FS1 as a competing bidder because at that point, Stephen A. had signed a contract not too much 
earlier for about three and a half million dollars a year. And, and at that point, you know, that was massive money for an individual sports media personality. I think like Mike and Mike are around that range, maybe around four. But then when Cowherd got his contract, this was his first contract, he, he got significantly more. That report said as much as you know six, seven million dollars a year. Then Skip followed and got six and a half. Then Mike Greenberg followed and got six point five. And under them it trickled down to Michelle Beadle getting five, Jalen Rose three and a half, Dan Lepitar, three and a half. So that's how it works. You compare them to NFL players, I'm not saying these guys are worth that amount, but the market says compared to what other people in the business are making, because what happened in 2015, that is where Skip falls right now. So I was reading an article, Moffitt Nathanson had a really uh, intriguing media uh, analysis that they do for their stock subscribers and their uh, the stock analysts and everything else. And they were projecting how many people would still have cable and satellite subscriptions in 2025. And I believe their number was 51 million. And it wasn't that long ago that over 100 million people had cable and satellite subscriptions. And what is holding many people to the cable and satellite bundle right now is news, which obviously Donald Trump was a big part of, and also is sports. Where do you see this overall marketplace going with news and sports basically being the only reason that many people would need a cable bundle, right? I understand what I said earlier about it being kind of annoying and difficult to try to find out uh, how to sign into all the different apps. But, for example, if you're a big fan of children's programming because you got kids in your household, it's easier for you to go on Disney Plus and find something for them to watch then probably for many people have to scroll through and look at five or six different channels, especially if they have a particular show, as most kids do, that they really like or a particular program that they want to watch. Disney Plus is designed to put exactly what they want exactly in front of them at the time that they want it, whereas cable and satellite, not necessarily. And I know there's on-demand functions and people can talk about that. But it definitely feels like news and sports is the only reason that many people are keeping their cable and satellite bundles. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no question. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and writing about this. I think all eyes are on cable news over to ne- over the next four years. It's been a lot made of early ratings post Donald Trump. They're kind of coming back to normal, but they you know they were setting records the past four years. All three cable news networks uh, we've reported said okay are getting into the OTT lane. Um, Fox News just recently announced that Tucker Carlson is getting not one but two shows on their OTT Fox Nation on um, MSNBC. They have the Peacock News Hub that's using a lot of the Morning Joe and Chuck Todd. He has a weekly show on there. And CNN at some point, presumably, will start putting stuff on HBO Max because they're on the same parent company. We'll see how that works out. I still, I'm a more optimistic on the future of those three channels and other people because like, it's going to be hard to convince a lot of households, not a younger household, but remember, cable news has a different target demo. There's just 25 to 54. Most places are 18 to like 40 seven or something, it's, it's going to take longer than people think, because what do those three channels do so well? Their background noise. People leave them on all day long, whatever they're doing. Um, and OTT isn't really going to be able to replace that. And I think there's going to be a lot of households that are not, go- that are not going to be willing to just get rid of that 
um, right away and move over to say, you know, putting Peacock on the background where it doesn't just go to a channel, it doesn't go from show to show. After a show ends, you got to click on a new show. Same for Netflix and all of that. It's not a continuation over the course of a day. So that number is going down. I expect it to go down, but at some point, I think we're going to hit a point where everybody that is leaving cable has already left. I, I don't think it's just going away over the next four years. At some point, maybe we'll get there, but I, I'm going to hold out hope that they're going – and the NFL just signed you know, long-term TV deals with ESPN, NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. So and depending on how long those deals are, I think we're going to get another four, five, six years out of the people still holding on their cable packages. A smaller number, yes, but I don't think they're just going to abandon it like some predict. We've seen, we're talking to Bobby Brack, writes about media, sports, many different subjects at OutKick. You can go read him at OutKick.com pretty much every day. We've got the NCAA tournament about to start in, what, two weeks basically, right? Um, we have next week of the big conference tournaments. Those were all canceled last year by and large. We've seen a lot of sport, sports ratings down substantially. We didn't have the NCAA tournament for a year. What do you think the overall interest in college basketball will look like this year as it compares to a couple of years ago? Oh, I'm expecting a substantial decline because everything is down quite a bit. Um, I, mean, I mean, I think the NFL considers it a win that they were down like just over double digit, 10, 12%. The Golden Globes were down. What was it? I mean, 62%. Yeah. The Golden yeah. Globes. I oh, mean, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Well, it's like they didn't even exist. Now I will say, and I was going to ask you about the Globes. I do think partly that's because I had no, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see a movie, right? Like uh, other than soul on Pixar, uh, the Pixar movie trolls, like what I could grab uh, to watch with my kids that was re- released directly. I guess I went and saw wonder woman, but I didn't know any of the movies that were nominated as a part of the golden globes. And so I, I think it's, I think that's a major blow. Well, you're right to some degree, but see, I kind of look at it the other way because a lot of the TV shows that were nominated were stuff that were released during the pandemic. When, like, that were really popular. Like, yeah. Right. Had like, you know, record hours of people watched. Everybody was stuck home, couldn't go to work, couldn't go out. So I, I was surprised that there wasn't more interest because more Americans watched those TV shows than they would have otherwise if it wasn't a pandemic. So, yeah, I mean, everything's down. Um, you know, um, so I would expect NCAA to be down. There hasn't been a ton of hype about it. There's not a ton of hype about really anything in sports right now outside of maybe like the Russell Wilson. So I think the NFL transactional stuff really dominating that discussion. Uh, I, I mean, I, I could see it being down around, I mean, it's on schedule. I think 20% is reasonable, Clay. Yeah. If not could more. Be, could be I very mean, much true. Bobby, I appreciate the time, my man. We will talk to you again soon. All right, Clay. Appreciate it. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Drama out there for those of you waking up, much of it associated in the NFL with the quarterback position. Ben Roethlisberger takes a substantial pay cut to be able to continue to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He uh, has saved basically $15 million for the team and his pay will go to $14 million, and they have spread out cash payments in the years ahead. So Ben Roethlisberger will be back as the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, In the first hour of the program, I told you that even with Big Ben, I don't see the Steelers as a legitimate threat in the AFC North. I really don't. They can't run the football. 
Their offensive line is nowhere near as good as it used to be. Roethlisberger is a shell of himself. The wide receiving core, which is deep, is likely to be losing some players, including Juju Smith-Schuster. And I just don't believe that if you look at Roethlisberger and you consider the Steelers within the context of the AFC North, I think the Browns and their UFO-seeing quarterback, Baker Mayfield, are in the best shape of anybody in the AFC North. I think they're followed by the Baltimore Ravens, and then I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers slotted in as the third best team with, as usually has been the case or has often been the case over the last 20 years, the Cincinnati Bengals bringing up the rear. Now, I do think there's reason for optimism in Cincinnati over Joe Burrow, but in general, I believe in what the Browns are doing with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski. We'll see what happens with Odell Beckham Jr., but I like the young talent that they have put together on that team and their chances to have substantial success going forward. So I am not a believer that Ben Roethlisberger is going to get back to the Super Bowl and have a chance to win his third Super Bowl title. I think Big Ben, as good as the Steelers were in getting to 11-0, I think they are more likely to resemble the team that stumbled down the stretch than they are to resemble the 11-0 team uh, I think they're probably 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, caliber in 2020 would be my prediction there. Drama continues also to build with Russell Wilson and what might happen with the Seahawks. Early on, I said this was madness. There was no way that they were actually going to consider moving on from Russell Wilson because of how talented he is, uh, because of the fact that he is still relatively young, already won a Super Bowl, should have won two. If I had to choose between Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll, that is an easy call. I would move on from Pete Carroll and build around Russell Wilson. Instead, it seems as if the Seahawks are potentially interested in moving on. What kind of moving on scenario could make sense for the Seahawks? Well, I named a bunch of teams that I think could make sense for Russell Wilson. Chicago Bears, Washington football team, uh, potentially the Dallas Cowboys. The, uh, the, uh, the, the number of teams, maybe even the New England Patriots, that should be interested in in Russell Wilson is massive because he's a relatively young quarterback still, particularly when you consider the Drew Breeses, the Tom Brady's, the Ben Roethlisberger's of the year of the uh, 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 and how old they are and how many years they've been able to play. Russell Wilson still relatively young, and he seems like a great teammate. That the situation has just spoiled him in Seattle. And he wants to move on. I wouldn't trade him. Again, I would pick Russell Wilson over Pete Carroll. But it doesn't seem like the Seahawks are going to make that move. So, maybe they trade straight up for quarterbacks. Maybe there's a move where Russell Wilson goes down to the Raiders and the Raiders trade for Derek Carr. Maybe there's a situation, crazy as it may sound, uh, where you uh, you could see a guy like Deshaun Watson and a guy like Russell Wilson... Maybe trading places? I don't know. Is it insane? A little bit. Maybe there's a three-way trade that could make a lot of sense involving the Jets or the Dolphins. There are so many different destinations that I believe should be in play for both Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson that one of these things that's interesting to me is, think about this for a minute now. What if the Seahawks traded away Russell Wilson and didn't even get that much back in exchange for him? Let's just say they got one first-round pick. And let's say the Washington football team was able and willing to give up their first-round pick for Russell Wilson. 
but you took all of his contract off your books. Are you telling me that then the Seattle Seahawks couldn't potentially try and put together a trade to go get Deshaun Watson? Think about that for a minute now. Think about if you traded away Russell Wilson, got back draft picks, and were able to put together some draft picks. I know the the Seahawks have tended to trade away their draft picks, but let's presume you could put together a package. You think Deshaun Watson might want to play alongside a DK Metcalf? I think he might like that idea. I think there would be a ton of quarterbacks that would fall all over themselves to potentially be in Seattle. Imagine if you just traded away Russell Wilson. You get one first-rounder, two first-rounders, whatever it is. You take that money off your salary cap, and you then are in a position to either go draft a new quarterback or in what could be a wide-open free agency marketplace, maybe you make a run at Deshaun Watson. Maybe you make a run at Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Is there somebody out there that you believe could be a difference maker or even wilder? You heard me float the idea of Drew Brees maybe being interested in moving on somewhere else. What if Drew Brees saw that situation in Seattle? I just think there are so many different potential dramatic moves that could be made at the quarterback position before all is said and done that this to me is incredibly riveting theater for the NFL as we move closer to the start of the new league year and what is expected to be a ton of veterans that are going to be cut next week because of salary cap-related issues. GMs are going to make moves and always have been making moves that make sense in free agency. But man, we're going to have a free agency like we've never seen before, I think, next week in the NFL. And obviously the draft is a place to build teams, But I think there's going to be a lot of talent that is out there on the marketplace for a lot of different NFL teams. And it may involve, even include, it looks like now, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. I think Jimmy G is done in San Francisco. Maybe Drew Brees could be potentially done in New Orleans. I'm telling you, I think there are going to be some jaw-dropping moves made next, uh, next week. And I can't wait to see what all of them are going to be. So there is your lead as we begin the third hour of the program. For those of you who are listening to finish off the second hour, Dub, I said I was going to bring you in uh, reports uh, from Baker Mayfield himself that he saw a UFO. Colin Cowherd had some fun with this yesterday and said, you know, Tom Brady basically never has, uh, would never talk about seeing a UFO. And then Tom Brady, who is incredible now on social media, hops in and says, how do you know I've never seen a uh, UFO, Colin? Uh, Which is funny in and of itself. Do you believe in UFOs, Dub? I do believe in UFOs. Ghosts, on the other hand, Look, and I know you've had your experiences with the ghosts. Uh, I'm a ghost and a UFO guy. I I'm, believe I'm a strong UFO believer. Uh, one of my favorite television shows to watch is Ancient Aliens. I just find it absolutely <laughs> fascinating. However, and you mentioned Tom Brady on Twitter. He's got to be at the top of the list of the quarterback Twitter power rankings nowadays. I, I don't think even it's think just it's athletes close. in general. Yeah, I'm not sure I that agree. there's anybody. Look, there are people with much bigger audiences than Tom Brady, right? I mean, there just are. Entertainers. Uh, you know, celebrities, whatever it might be. But in terms of just using social media 
to make himself infinitely more likable. Is there an athlete that has used social media better than Tom Brady? I mean, that's like, I feel like we can do a whole, uh, you know, a a big discussion on that at some point next week. And in fact, I'm jotting down athlete, you know, like social media power rankings. Because look, there are people out there who use social media uh, and have big audiences in the world of athletics. LeBron James is one, for instance. But I don't think that LeBron has made himself substantially different or more likable on social media than he is already, right? I think Tom Brady has changed the way that many people out there see him, right? In a very positive way, using social media in a way that makes him much more likable than he otherwise would be. And can you think of an athlete that that, that has used social media uh, mo- better than Brady has? Off the top of my head, no. But to your point, I mean, there's got to be a significant number of people that have just absolutely hated Tom Brady for years. And just yes. recently, solely because of his social media posts, have probably come around like, you know what? I kind of like this guy now. I, I'll, I'll put myself in that category. I was, and for most of his career, have continued to be, everybody had to choose back in the day. Are you a Brady guy or are you a Manning guy? Well, I grew up a University of Tennessee fan. Peyton Manning went to the University of Tennessee. He had my loyalty from the moment he stepped into the NFL. I wanted him to do well. And the rivalry between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, I was a Manning guy. And Peyton Manning did a fabulous job of turning himself into sort of an everyman hero by branding himself as a regular guy in all those commercials. I think partly because I legitimately believe that Cooper and Peyton and Eli are all pretty funny dudes, right? Like Cooper Manning in particular, whose son Arch Manning is going to be one of the top college football recruits in the country, I think in the class of 2023. Cooper Manning, I think, is absolutely hysterical. And he's done a good job, I think, helping them with the SNL skits, you know, when they've hosted both Peyton and Eli. Those, and just the commercials in general. I mean, Peyton Manning is still a popular corporate spokesperson even today, and he hasn't played in several years, five years now, I think. And so I think that Manning did a better job branding himself through commercials, but Peyton Manning is still not on social media. Meanwhile, Tom Brady has absolutely killed it on social media, I think he's made himself much more likable. And maybe Baker Mayfield is going to do the same thing with all of his UFO talk. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts? You know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Furman, appreciate you getting up early with us here. A bunch of different things I want to get into, but I want to start with Hawaii. Because I've never been to Hawaii. I actually don't spend much time on Instagram, but I saw you post a bunch of different photos from your trip to Hawaii. You had never been before. How would you assess your trip to Hawaii, especially for a lot of people out there who probably are like me and have also never been? A heck of a lot better being there two weeks ago than earlier this week when you had a tsunami warning. I'll tell yeah, you that no much. Kidding. But, uh, no kidding. Uh, I highly encourage anybody who doesn't want to leave American soil, who wants to feel like they're out of the States, Hawaii is hands down a place unlike anywhere else you can go in the continental 48. Uh, I mean, I've traveled some spots internationally, but was blown away, honestly, with more of the natural surrounds and everything else. The one thing I was disappointed by was I couldn't come back from Hawaii even being there a full week with a better tan than you were able to compile in Mexico, even though I think you were on Mexican soil for what, about 48 hours, 72 hours before they kicked you out? 
<laughs> you know, it was fun. Uh, we got down there on Wednesday afternoon, evening, and came back on late Sunday night. So I was down there four nights, and I had an amazing time. You know, Schwartz was down there, uh, who I know you know, with his wife, and so we had a good dinner on Saturday, second year in a row, uh, because last year at this time, Cousin Sal and his family were down there, and so we ended up hanging out with them. Neither one of those situations were planned. It was just like, hey, we ended up at the same place, uh, but we had a fabulous time. I mean, it was uh, – it's just – I mean, I, you know I'm a warm-weather guy, so I, you've seen me for – you've known me for a long time. I like shorts. I like flip-flops. I like T-shirts. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, activity. You know, I don't like to dress up. I definitely don't <laughs> like cold weather, although we're scheduled to be in Utah – uh, in the near future here, which will be interesting to see how exactly that goes, uh, which I've never been to for, for skiing and, uh, and, and uh, snowboarding and everything else. But I'm jealous about the Hawaii trip because I've been wanting to go for a while. Yeah, highly recommend it for all the listeners out there that are looking to try and find a spot to sneak off to. I will say uh, we did have a unique experience um, the Monday we were there because of some of the COVID protocols. So to go to Hawaii now, you have to test negative for COVID 72 hours or at least within a 72-hour window before you leave. So we did all that before we left Las Vegas. We got to the big island or to Oahu, connected there. We're in Kona for about 36 hours, which is the big island. Unbeknownst to us, we had to test negative again to get to Maui. So we land in Maui, don't have a negative COVID test. They go, hold on a second. You can't be here. We had to jump on a separate plane, fly back to Honolulu, get tested at the airport, wait about five hours, jump on another plane to get to Maui. So that was the only fly in the ointment uh, in terms of not knowing exactly what rules and regulations there were. So we gave a day on vacation, but... Shouldn't they have told you before you got on the plane that you needed a that you would think you would think you would think that was some of the details, but they were a little bit vague. We were under the understanding that as soon as you got to an island uh, that you were fine. I didn't know that if you switched islands, you still had to have that seventy two hour window open. I know Kauai has been a little bit stricter than some of the other spots. Not only do you have to have that negative test before you're there, you have to quarantine for seventy two hours and then have a negative test again. So that was part of the reason we put that particular island on the back burner. But uh. Little to say, we gave up one extra day, uh, and I know the Honolulu airport inside and out. If anybody needs a floor <laughs> map or me to try and find or recommend some of the uh, particular eateries they have, there. we uh, it's interesting. We had to get tested in order to get out of Mexico, but they didn't actually test us in the United States. By which I mean, you show the fact that you are a negative test in order to be able to board in Mexico. But they don't do anything, at least not the airport we went through Houston, at least not at the airport we went through in Houston. They took those forms in Mexico. So that makes some sense to me because if you're going to allow to me, if you're going to allow somebody to board a flight, you shouldn't let them board the flight if they're not allowed to go to the place they're going to. Right. Like that seems like a, uh, a reasonable sort of uh, process that should be in place. Uh, you would think that uh, there's some normal checks and balances, but I feel like everybody doing things a little bit differently. But it is good and comforting to know that uh, everyone in the U.S. trusts uh, all the tests that are handed out in various ports al- along the country of Mexico for you to get gain entry back in the state. <laughs> I'm thoroughly convinced that there's some level of skepticism about the accuracy of the test you actually took. Well, not, not my test in particular. My wife actually has the same theory as you. She's like, why would Mexico want us to stay here? Like, they want they may not. Out. They may... I don't know. They may want more U.S. tourist dollars the way things have gone. So if there's possibility, that could definitely well, be that's an interesting angle. To take uh, full advantage, get you guys to buy a few more trinkets and such, and uh, take advantage of another 42 hours. 
We're talking to my co-host on Fox Bet Live, Todd Furman, at Todd Furman on Twitter. You can find him there. Did you get any good tips? I think the last time you were on was before you left for Hawaii, and I told people to throw tips your way. I think I saw a few of – I was tagged in a few of those. Did anybody give you a great Hawaiian suggestion before you went? Oh, they did an outstanding job. I mean, unfortunately, we weren't able to partake in some of them. Uh, one individual, and I apologize to all the loyal listeners out there, suggested we go for a night swim with the manta rays. That was a hard no uh, for the girlfriend. <laughs> she, she wanted no part of that. We did do a little bit of snorkeling at Molokai Crater, and uh, we ended up sneaking a reservation last minute into a place called Mama's Fish House that came highly recommended. So your listeners knew the hot spot. We took full advantage uh, and are excited to go back and explore uh, some of the other Hawaiian islands we weren't able to go to hopefully in the not-so-distant future. I think we're on all over Hawaii. You know, I don't, it's, it's super late, obviously, at night uh, for us there because they're so far behind in terms of the hours. But I hear a lot of positive feedback. So if you're listening to us in Hawaii right now, uh, you, can, uh, you can drop me a line. And, uh, and I want to get out there at some point, uh, I promise. Okay, so let's go, into, uh, let's go into the gambling markets right now. First of all, are you blown away by how white hot sports gambling is in the country right now because I'll tell you the truth every morning when I'm doing this show I'm subscribed for a couple of different you know kind of sports business newsletters and I'll scroll through to see you know what the news of the day is and it feels like every single day there's a new uh, a new partnership a new purchase something going on every single day in the world of sports gambling I'm trying to figure out where all this money is coming from, to be quite honest. It feels like every time you read an article, there's a $500 million deal. There's a billion-dollar valuation. While I know stock prices are climbing through the roof for all the gaming companies, whether it's the one we work for and Flutter and some of their biggest competitors out there, uh, it's simply staggering to see how deep their pockets are and what these companies are doing to begin establishing market share. The one concern I do have is that as the space has grown a lot more popular, there's a ton of misinformation that gets circulated. Not so much on the business reporting side. I think those guys for the Fox business, the CNBC crew, and everybody else who's been in and around understands how to report the black and white. But just the misinformation when it comes to sports gambling itself and the day-to-day machinations, uh, it's a little bit disconcerting, and I think it's our part, or at least the best we can do, to try and help break up some of those misconceptions that may be out there. We're talking to uh, Todd Furman. Let's go into the NCAA tournament. Last year's NCAA tournament canceled. Now we are able to circulate back around and we've got the NCAA tournament theoretically going to be played in a relatively normal fashion, albeit with everything taking place around the Indianapolis area. What we've seen so far in sports, Todd, Tampa Bay uh, Lightning, the Alabama Crimson Tide, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, which I think is fair to say, the Lakers with LeBron, uh, the, uh, all of the favorites – are winning major league baseball with the Dodgers all of your champions are teams that were near the top and maybe you can say the Buccaneers aren't but I feel like with Tom Brady he's like the least likely uh uh, underdog ever so I'm going to kind of count him do you anticipate with the Zags Gonzaga and also with Baylor at the top and maybe Michigan as well and then a fairly substantial drop off is this a chalk NCAA tournament or is this the league that finally has some chaos I don't want to say there's going to be a ton of chaos. Inevitably, we'll have a couple of upsets early on. You'll see a couple of programs that are a bit flawed from some of the power conferences go down and really raise some eyebrows. But when you talk about Gonzaga, and we always have questions, will the 
the Bulldogs be ready to go when the lights are the brightest because they go through the West Coast Conference and don't have to really get tested uh, from when the calendar hits January up until they get into the deeper portions uh, of March Madness. But this feels like a different Gonzaga team. And when you go through the non-conference resume that they compiled, you know, you beat West Virginia early on in the season. You absolutely boat race Virginia. And I don't know the last time a team even flirted with the century mark against the Tony Bennett defense. And you took care of Kansas right out of the gates. So I think Gonzaga this year, if they can't finally get over the hump and win a national championship, it may never happen. And you talk about the chalk and veteran leadership both on the floor and as far as the head coaching box. I mean, this Zags team really has it all in that particular regard. Baylor, I'm interested to see. I mean, this is a team that had a 20-plus day break, didn't look nearly as dynamic earlier this week in their overtime win against West Virginia. But if they can regain some of that form and swagger, no reason to believe that Scott Drew's team can't be there at the end, although I do question some of his coaching. Michigan is one I'm a lot more skeptical of. Jawan Howard's never had this much pressure or expectations. He's still pretty young in terms of his coaching tenure there. And while he does have a veteran in Phil Martelli that handles a lot of responsibilities as well, I I wouldn't be shocked at all if Michigan was a team that got upset uh, before we ultimately got to the Final Four. Do you buy into the Big Ten as being head and shoulders above every other Power Five conference? I do. In terms of overall depth, you watch these teams on a night-in, night-out basis, uh, and whether you want to make a case for Michigan being the best, you'd be hard-pressed to do so, given the dominant performance we saw from Illinois. Uh, Whether it's Iowa with Luka Garza most likely going to be the national player of the year, or an Ohio State team that's reeling a little bit as we head into their regular season finale against the Illini. All four of those teams, when they're playing their best, are as good, if not better, than any quartet of teams that you could find in another power league around the country. And we can't sleep on the likes of a Wisconsin or Purdue that if they get the right brackets can be very difficult outs given how tenaciously they defend. The one power league that if you asked me to pick the best team or who I thought could make the deepest run and I have no clue would be the SEC. I'm not quite sure if Alabama or Arkansas are the best teams uh, or maybe you get a Missouri team that we saw knock off Florida outright earlier this week be a team that can put it all together and maybe get into that second weekend or deeper. We're talking to my co-host, Fox Bet Live, Todd Furman. You can follow him on Twitter, at Todd Furman. When you look at the NBA and the NHL, um, I think what we're going to see in short order is a lot of different teams dramatically increasing the capacity for crowds predicated to a large extent on which state and or city they happen to be in. That is, teams that might be in Texas or Florida likely to have far less substantial restrictions than teams that might be in New York and in California in terms of fans. As an odds maker and someone who is trying to break down advantages and and sort of find angles to play, do you start to think about the home court advantage potentially becoming an issue as we move into the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs and also the NBA race to the uh, to the championship? Or do you continue to break it down like you did last year where basically the fan and home court advantage is not substantial in any way? No, I think it will play a role. Uh, There's no doubt about it. I think when you go into some of these buildings, and I had the chance earlier this week to go to a Golden Knights game, it's an eerie feeling almost when there's right around 2,000 fans in a venue where you've grown accustomed to seeing 18,000 people creating one of the more electric home ice advantages in all the NHL since the franchise played its first game a couple of years ago. So it's not as pronounced, but you've heard players say it. It's become a little bit unusual because they haven't had a play in front of fans, whether they're their own or go into hostile territory 
territory uh, against the opposition. So I think as far as the NHL is concerned, I don't want to make a massive adjustment there because we've seen road teams have success in the playoffs. But as far as the NBA is concerned, there's no doubt about it that if you're talking about a Utah Jazz team having you know maybe eight to 10,000 fans in attendance, it's going to be a lot tougher to play in Salt Lake City than it could be to go in a Staples Center uh, for the Lakers and Clippers if they're not able to have uh, some of the purple and gold, or in the case of the Clippers, red, white, and blue-clad fans uh, to cheer them on for a playoff run. No doubt, because right now the Jazz would be the overall number one seed in the Western Conference right now, and they might have 50% capacity, which would mean that they have a substantial home court advantage. And let's say they're playing against the Lakers or the Clippers that might not be allowed to have any fans present at all. That's a pretty substantial difference when you think about a seven-game series, isn't it? It definitely changes the dynamics, and you start to begin to build in much more of an adjustment for home court advantage than what you've been currently doing during the regular season as a handicapper. And so I think, you know, when you look at the NBA and the NHL, they'll be the last dominoes where we'll have questions about what kind of attendance will be out there. I really expect the deeper we get into the summer, Major League Baseball, you'll have venues at at least 50% capacity, if I'm being optimistic. And we know the NFL uh, has held out in releasing their schedule and trying to figure out if they'll go to the seventh game, probably way waiting to show that, hey, look, we want to be playing in front of 60 or 70,000 fans uh, and we can get business back to normal, much like we saw every year up until this recently completed COVID season. We're talking to Todd Furman, uh, my co-host Fox Bet Live. So let's go into uh, into kind of looking ahead for the draft, right? Uh, there are suddenly, depending on the jurisdiction that you're in, opportunities to bet a lot surrounding the NFL draft. Um, I love it because the draft is almost like its own season. And this year we don't have the combine where there were a lot of combine prop bets in the past couple of years. Do you enjoy and or like the idea of NFL draft betting or do you find it to be uh, not as fun or uh, enticing as other opportunities? It's a very different style betting market in terms of trying to identify an edge. Obviously, we know that you have to pay a massive price if you want to bet Trevor Lawrence uh, to be the number one overall pick for the Jaguars. So that's not where you're going to try and train some of your attention. Uh, But typically what you're going to want to do is you're going to bet a lot of these players over because the best case scenario is oftentimes what sports books will lay out for the marquee players. And I can't tell you how many times you've seen players draft position, you know, somewhere in the mid-teens, and they don't go until the 50s or 60s. So you have to put a little bit of your conference bias on the line uh, and really do some homework. If you're able to do reading uh, and try and figure out exactly what some of these teams individual needs are, you can make a few bucks. At the same time, there's a reason professional bettors don't spend a ton of time on it just because the limits are more for for a recreational clientele and you're going to see fewer dollars in play than what you would for, say, a regular season game, let alone playoffs or anything else. Do you think uh, you live in Vegas now? You've lived in Vegas for a long time. Uh, when we first started hanging out and meeting, you would get off a plane in Las Vegas if you were someone like me flying in from a place like Tennessee, and Vegas would offer you opportunities that didn't exist elsewhere, whether that be uh, to gamble, you know, sitting playing blackjack, or for what we do, you gamble on sports, right? What do you think the impact of massively legalized sports gambling will be on the draw for sports gambling in Vegas? And let me give you, before you answer, I'll give you an example. We're doing in Nashville a March 19th outkick party on the Friday that the NCAA tournament starts. We're going to have hundreds of people hanging out with us watching games, and every single person there will be able to 
pull out their phone and bet on every game that is going on in the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. That used to be an exotic, incredibly awesome feeling to be able to do in Vegas. It made the Las Vegas experience particularly unique and put for many people out there who are listening to us right now on their sports bucket list was go to Vegas for the NCAA tournament so you can bet on all the games that are going on. I've done it. I bet a large percentage of our audience had either done it or planned to do it at some point in their lives. Now there are a lot of places you can go. I mean, you can drive down to where I'm going to be in Nashville, Tennessee and place every bet as soon as you cross the state line. You don't have to get on a plane and get all the way to Vegas. What's the impact going to be? Obviously, this year is a pandemic year still, but as you look forward to the sports gambling universe of Vegas as it compares to all the other states where it's going to be legal. You know, maybe it's a little pie in the sky or Pollyanna that I want to be optimistic that it won't have a seismic impact in terms of Vegas business, especially during the month of March, uh, knowing that March Madness, along with the Super Bowl, are two of the busiest times as far as sports betting is concerned. Uh, Because the way you lay that out there, I can make the case that, yes, sports betting is legal in a number of those states, but if you were to walk into a sports bar anywhere on Broadway or throughout Nashville, there are going to be a lot of people that were still able to bet the games. They were just doing it on mobile apps with their corner bookies instead of the more regulated shops where they trusted the legitimacy of everything that was going on. The other thing that Vegas will have to do to continue to offer that amenity package uh, is try and you know, really appeal to folks who want to spend time in nightclubs and marquee restaurants and a lot of other things that you won't get even as we see the proliferation of sports gambling elsewhere. Uh, but for those folks who don't want to spend a lot of money on airfare or costly hotels, there's no doubt you can go to other states with legalized sports betting and get a slightly different atmosphere because I can tell you, if you're a country music fan and you want to go see cover bands and bet college basketball, you're much better off in Nashville for the NCAA tournament than you would be coming out here. It is It is interesting in general to think about how the different vibes are going to change. It used to be the city of Nashville sometimes jokingly called itself Nash Vegas when it was a much smaller city. Now when you're out in downtown Broadway, uh, Nashville, as the pandemic kind of disappears and COVID recedes and people are able to go out and listen to live music, gamble on sports, drink heavily, party, it does feel a little bit like Broadway in downtown Nashville with all the glitz and glamour is uh, some version of the strip out in Vegas. Todd Furman, we will talk to you again hopefully soon. Uh, Enjoy the games, and I'll see you on television later today. Always a pleasure, my good man. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto parts. at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.